Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast, brought to you by the kind financial support of listeners like you. To become our patron for as little as a dollar a month, please visit livinghour.org slash patron. Today's reading was edited and adapted from The Keys to Success by B.C. Forbes, published in 1918. Education is not merely a key to success. It could also be called the key to success. No uneducated, uncultured person is really successful, for true success consists less of money than of mentality. It is an inward thing, not an outward one. Education is both a means to an end and an end in itself. Without education, no man or woman can reach the highest pinnacle of success. But education does not consist merely of school learning. Education comprises the sum total of what we know. It comes, or should come, from our daily experiences in life. Education is observation rather than perspiration. Books form the groundwork of education. Without well-directed, diligent reading, few people can hope to become really educated or successful. But not all wisdom is contained between the covers of books. We can learn daily from all sorts of men, women, and children, from what we see going on around us. From what we hear. Self-education can become one of the most enjoyable habits, and certainly it is of all the habits most profitable. Education, knowledge, means power. It begets ability, and ability means advancement. History reveals that not half of America's most successful people received a college education, that many of them never completed even the common school curriculum. Andrew Carnegie was taken from school when only about ten. William L. Douglas, who became governor of Massachusetts and also one of the world's largest manufacturers of shoes, received hardly any schooling. Robert Dollar, the lumber king and steamship owner, left school at 12 and lived in a remote Canadian lumber camp, far from civilization, where he at one stage could scarcely read or write. He later became a notable public speaker and author of a fascinating volume of memoirs. James B. Duke, the tobacco king, had scanty schooling. Thomas Edison was cast out of school at about seven because he was judged by teachers to be too stupid to learn. George Eastman of Kodak fame, carmaker Henry Ford, retail magnate F.W. Woolworth, James A. Farrell, president of U.S. Steel Corporation. Thomas E. Wilson, the famous sporting goods maker, Steve Jobs of Apple, 
these and hosts of others who have made their marks received a very moderate amount of school education, but most of them did become educated with wide knowledge, keen observation, sound judgment, and a deep understanding of both human nature and business. Most financial and business leaders have also steeped themselves in history and regular reading. Even the busiest of entrepreneurs and captains of industry find time to read a great deal. Quite a few of them, including Otto H. Kahn, the great financier, and Daniel Guggenheim, to mention one industrial giant, have a cast iron rule to read for at least an hour every night before going to sleep, no matter how late they retire. Frank A. Vanderlip, head of the National City Bank, has a theory of education which seems to have been followed by many of our most successful citizens. Vanderlip says, in addition to doing a full day's work at a desk or workbench, you should also devote yourself to studying all about your profession so that you can better understand the meaning of everything you do, the principles underlying it, and thus equip yourself to rise to any height. I have been struck by the fact that comparatively few young people whose parents have paid for their university education have reached the topmost rungs of the ladder. Perhaps I should rather say that it is astounding to note how many of those at the very top have had to work their way through college. As it's been said, we don't appreciate anything we get for nothing, and this manifestly applies with special truth to a university education. Those who by their own sweat and their own self-sacrifice had to pay for their learning derived the most benefit from it. They were wise enough to make the most of their opportunities. It also taught them frugality However, as has been demonstrated over and over again, college education is not essential to great success in business. Have you ever stopped to think that scarcely anyone who has had the very greatest business success in America graduated from college? Let me repeat, however, that whether poorly educated or well-educated in youth, Almost every successful person I have ever met clearly revealed that they had not gone through life lazily, or with unobserving eyes, or in a ten of ears, but had exercised their mentality to the very limit. The vitally important thing for the young woman or man is first to realize the value of education then to cultivate earnestly, aggressively, ceaselessly, the habit of self-education. Education is to the brain what food is to the body. Without fresh supplies of knowledge, the brain will not develop healthily and vigorously, any more than the body can be sustained without fresh supplies of food. 
The mind can be trained to become as a magnet, which attracts true steel, but ignores the dross. It must be disciplined to absorb useful, helpful, valuable information, and to ignore whatever is not helpful or valuable. Education is really a matter of selection, a matter of selecting what we shall become interested in, selecting how we shall employ our time, selecting things that will increase our knowledge, wisdom, and power, or the reverse. Competition is so keen today that only the well-informed person can hope to move ahead of the crowd. No corporation, no firm, wants an ignorant employee for a responsible position. Andy, here's a young man who knows as much about this mill as I do, was how young Charlie Schwab's boss introduced him to Andrew Carnegie. And that was how Schwab's phenomenal rise started, through his knowledge, through his self-education in all matters pertaining to the production of steel. Let no young man or woman feel discouraged because of meager schooling. I know of a woman who learned Greek after she was almost 70. She learned it because she wanted to be able to read the New Testament in its ancient language. It may require effort. It may require rigid self-discipline. It may require painful self-denial to switch from careless idle habits to a course of study. But very soon the pleasure derived from the good habit will immeasurably outweigh the false pleasure derived from the bad habits. When most successful leaders of the past were young, the opportunities for self-education were lamentably meager. Today there are not only opportunities, but inducements on every side. The internet is filled with affordable courses on nearly any subject, from business to science to technology and more. There are courses in law, and it is remarkable how many people have found a knowledge of law of great help to them in handling their daily problems. There are courses too in accounting, and many promotions have likewise been won through possessing a grasp of the fundamental principles of keeping accounts. A course in English or a foreign language, if wisely selected, is also well worthwhile. In short, there is no self-education need which cannot be obtained by the average person if they can but muster the will to learn. Self-education consists chiefly of reading, observation, conversation, and reflection. Knowledge, says Sir Thomas Lipton, should be a compound of what we derive from books and what we extract by our observation from the living world around us. Both of these are necessary to the well-informed person, and of the two, the last is by far the most useful for the practical purposes of life. The person who can combine the teachings of books 
with strong and close observation of life, deserves the name of a well-informed woman or man, and presents a model worthy of imitation. By becoming better educated than the average, and by keeping your mind on helpful subjects, you will not only qualify for higher financial rewards and for positions of wider responsibility, influence and power, you will lay up for yourself riches which, quote, neither moth nor rust corrupts, riches which will become valuable beyond price to you later in life, when the things which money can buy cease to satisfy, and one must find pleasure, satisfaction and joy from the inward, not the outward life. In old age, millions can do little for a human being. The mind alone can yield that which counts. The motto of Forbes magazine is, With all thy getting, get understanding. Self-education will enable you to get the other things, and also understanding. The Inspirational Living Podcast is a production of The Living Hour. Get your own private feed to our podcast with full transcripts delivered right to your smartphone by becoming our patron today. It costs less than a cup of coffee a month and will ensure the production of our podcast for years to come. Visit livinghour.org patron. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you next time.